Quinn Perry, Deputy Director for the Idaho School Boards Association. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, so we're here talking about House Bill 292, which is the big property tax bill that's coming down the pipeline. Um, mm -hmm. Tell me, what does this bill do for schools? You know, I think it does a couple of really good things for schools, and then there's a couple of areas that we have some consternation with. Um, I think the one thing that's really good for schools is that it's creating a school facilities fund, uh, which is something that school leaders have been really asking for for many years, acknowledging that really the only way we're able to fund uh, maintenance and building of new facilities is through property tax bonds and plant facility levies. Uh, so that's a good part. Um, we are going to get some funding coming to us that's going to help relieve uh, our property tax burden, of which we share a third of, um, to provide that relief to homeowners directly. And I think that's a really positive piece about the uh, property tax bill. One negative part of the bill is just one little tiny thing, which is that it removes the March election date for school districts, which is used by an overwhelming amount of school districts, particularly at that time, because of the budget certainty that that gives to school districts as they begin in setting their budgets for the following fiscal year. Absolutely, yeah, we've heard about that March issue a yeah. lot, and we'll get into that in just a second. Cool. But um, the bill itself, there's kind of two sides to the coin. There's a credit for homeowners, which doesn't cover bonds and levies, right. and then there's payments for schools to cover bonds and levies. So talking um, about that facilities fund, how much of a difference would that make for local schools when it comes to funding buildings and keeping the lights on? You know, they're gonna distribute the funding based on average daily attendance. So I think, you know, for the larger school districts that have the more significant populations, it's gonna make a bigger dent than maybe the smaller rural districts, you know, thinking about our school districts that serve less than 100 students. Um, so it's not nothing. I wanna really make sure we focus that this is an absolute step in the right direction where the, school, the state's gonna start making, you know, promises to school districts about funding our school facilities. Um, however, one thing I want to caution really policymakers and the public about is there's roughly a billion dollars left er, necessary for school infrastructure support on just our existing facilities, let alone those school districts that are growing in capacity that are gonna need to build new schools. And that's based on an old report as and well. And that is based on an Office of Performance Evaluation report. And you know, I think we're really good sometimes in the policy making arena about getting something as big as what House Bill 292 is doing and then kind of absolving our responsibility for what you know really needs to happen in the context of things. And I think you know the senators and the representatives who've been working on the bill have been really cautious about suggesting that this is a silver bullet. So while I think it's going to make significant investments in those uh, facilities, I think it will take a long time for it to actually truly play out uh, because it's going to take some time for that uh, financial piece to really pay down the existing debt that school districts have before it can really roll over into a school facilities fund. Um, however, creating the fund where we can, as a state, have conversations about where we can dedicate that funding in the future is an absolute step in the right direction. Okay, well now let's talk about that existing debt, those bonds and levies yeah. that currently school districts are able to run on four election dates throughout the year. Yeah. Um, House Bill 292 would get rid of the March election date. So talk to me about that election, where it falls in the budgeting cycle, and why it's so concerning for the district. Yes, thank you. You know, school districts, um, they begin setting their budgets really 
almost exactly after they set their previous year budget. They're really making calculations about how their enrollment and their attendance is impacting their, their ability to budget now. Um, and they're looking at the future. And when we get to the spring in school district operations, uh, the first thing that usually takes place is that they go into negotiations with their professional staff, which is our certificated teachers, uh, school counselors, other professional school personnel that are on a certificate. And I think that's one of the differences in any other local government than it is to a school district, which is that 90% of our staff are on a contract and we negotiate with them yearly what their salaries and benefits look like. And you know, I think those negotiations have largely gotten easier as the investments with the legislature are coming down with increased um, health insurance funding and of course the governor and the legislature's emphasis on teacher pay. But those negotiations have to happen earlier and earlier because if you're not able to come to consensus with enough time for you to set your budget, which is required by law to be done uh, roughly a month before your July meeting, which is when the new fiscal year begins, um, if you didn't have that certainty in your budget because your district might rely on an operational levy to supplement, say, your salaries and benefits that are coming to you from the state, um, you could be at kind of a, a quick timeline to have to kind of finalize negotiations. And if you're not able to finalize negotiations and issue contracts to your teachers, uh, the teacher shortage is real and teachers can easily move to a neighboring district that might have more budget certainty. So it's really removing what we call the more stable date when it comes to budgeting and negotiations that gives really school districts the most certainty going into their fiscal year projections. And so the School Boards Association, the School Administrators Association, the Education Association Teachers Union mm -hmm. um, have kind of as a group said that maybe the March idea isn't the best one, but we'd be willing to give up the August election. Um, that has not made it anywhere, really. <laughs> Correct. Um, so tell, tell me about the negotiations yeah. and, and how that process has gone. I think if I want to talk about the four election dates, I might talk about it from back in 2008 when the state moved to elections consolidation. Back, you know, prior to then, uh, local governments ran their their tax questions really any time throughout the year. They ran them themselves. And when the counties took over that election duty, um, school, school districts were specifically given four dates to um, have a property tax question out to the voters. And really at that time, the conversation was, we know March is necessary because that provides budgeting certainty. And then Representative Dennis Lake was a former school board member and knew that he uh, needed to provide that certainty. But the other part was that uh, there is a constitutional requirement that our facilities bonds are a 66.7% threshold. And, you know, the kind of the deal at the time was, you know, until we can really lower that date, we should give school districts at least four opportunities to get these kind of questions settled within their community. Sure, whether um, it should be a simple majority versus correct, 66, yeah, two thirds. Any kind of reduction would be helpful. You saw just this last week that, you know, some school district bonds were still over 60% of a, a voter approved threshold and are unable to still be considered passed under the eyes of the Constitution. So I think um, that's really where the history of the dates were. But you are correct in that um, first, I want to say that at some time, these four election dates have played a critical role in how the school district can operate. You know, our largest school district in the state, West Ada, they ran a supplemental levy that they needed to supplement their budget, you know, back in a couple of years ago in August, and that was necessary for them. However, August is the least used date out of all of the four election dates, and you know, 
We don't believe that removing a date is necessary for the property tax relief in this bill to really come to fruition. Uh, but if there, if there needed to be a date for political reasons, really August is the one that is most preferred by school leaders. Uh, and the reason why is that, um, you know, it is close enough to the general election. I think for county clerks, they would prefer to kind of see that go away. Um, but really for us, March, keeping March is really one of the most important things because it just gives school districts that amount of predictability and stability going into their negotiations process. All right. Well, Quinn Perry, Idaho School Boards Association, thanks so much for your time this week. Thanks for having me.